Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. Let me just talk to you a minute about the, the Bible. All right, we're a Bible church, and we believe the Bible. We believe that it is the Word of God that God the Creator laid it down for us and gave us an instruction manual, but it's far more than an instruction manual. This is a manual that tells us the truth about all of life. matter of fact, it tells us from the beginning to the end. One of the things God says that makes him different from any other uh, so-called God is that he knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. Because he's eternal, he knows what happened in the beginning. Because he's eternal, he knows what's going to happen in the end and can tell you exactly what's going to happen in the end. That's why we have the book of Revelation. Now I want to talk to you about the Old Testament just a minute. The Old Testament starts us back here all the way at creation. Here's my timeline, okay? It starts us all the way back at creation. And, and for the first few years of creation, we have an oral tradition going, okay? We've got this oral tradition that's going up up to the time of Noah, where you've got God speaking with people, the people who walk with him, God speaking to them, but there's not anything written down. But up to the days of Abraham, the Old Testament story, the Old Testament account that God's giving of what happened in history is to let us know how men became more and more separated from him all the way up to the Tower of Babel when they declared their independence from God and God declared his independence from them. And he left with them a whole group of angelic beings to be in charge of them, to show them what's going to happen as he scattered them all over the world. But starting in Genesis chapter 12, you have a love story, a love story that takes place between God Almighty and his wife, Israel. He married Israel. He married Israel at Mount Sinai, where he made a covenant with her, and just like with any, any marriage, said, I have a place for you to live, and I'm going to take you to my place for you. I'm giving it to you as a place to live. So as he gave that to them and that place to live, they lived there often rebelliously. God took her from, as, as he puts it in Ezekiel and in Jeremiah, you were a mess. You were, a, uh, though you were a pretty little thing, you, you were in a mess. You were like an orphan. And I took you to myself. I cleaned you up. I made you my betrothed wife. And then at Sinai, I married you. And from that marriage relationship, as stormy as that relationship has been, they had a child. And that child is the one we know of as the Lord Jesus Christ. And God had in mind that his child, the Lord Jesus Christ, would have a wife. Now, Israel was the wife of God the Father, and they have this child, Jesus, and this child, Jesus, is looking for a bride. Matter of fact, let me say, the Father is looking for a bride. I'm going to share with you, this is an arranged marriage, <laughs> okay? It's an arranged marriage. Now, there's going to be choice in it. Because the Father is going to bring those people that he's giving to Jesus to Jesus and offer them to Jesus. And Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast apart. 
I'll let you, I'll bet you, I will receive you to myself. And here's the promise my Father has given to me, that to everything the Father gives me, I will give everlasting life. You'll be with me forever. You'll be my wife. That's the story of the Bible, kids. It's a love story between God the Father and Israel and God the Son and his church. That's his bride. All right. So let's do some blanks filling, okay? I know there's those of you who have OCD, and you really need me to fill these blanks in for you, okay? Yeah, there you go, Randall. I see you, buddy. All right, here we are. The marriage of the Lamb. Uh, I would, uh, let's just take a look at 19, 7 to 10 just for a moment. Some of yours may divide it up in, in, in 6 to 10, but I'm going to go with 7 to 10. Here's what it says. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Woo! Kids, that's, that's a great announcement. That is a wedding announcement. You follow me? If I can say it this way, when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were engaged to him. You were betrothed to him. You have a wedding yet to go. You are in an engagement right now. Everybody follow me? And instead of giving you a ring to prove that, he gave you his own Holy Spirit to prove that. That's what you have. The Holy Spirit is your down payment on your engagement and your upcoming wedding. You have a wedding that's coming out here in the timeline. Everybody with me? And here is the announcement of it. Here he is going to fulfill what 2,000 years ago he said to us. And he's been looking for his bride for those 2,000 years. And God the Father has been giving people, giving people, giving people, giving people until he's got a bride and she's almost ready. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Or I'm sorry, the marriage of the Lamb. This announcement about the, of the marriage is by the same group that were giving the hallelujahs. That's why I divided seven out from six. Because... From one to six, he's been announcing how happy they are, the hallelujahs, that Babylon is gone. The harlot is gone. Look, look there's three women in this, in this book. Israel is one of those women. That's the bride of the father. The harlot is one of those women, and the church is one of those women. The interloper, Babylon, has just been kicked out of the picture. She's not there anymore. Israel's still there. The church is still there. The church and Israel are not the same group. Everybody with me? They're not the same group. Israel is different from the church. I know there are those who like to say they're all the one and the same. No, they are not. They may all have the same destination and location, but they're going there a different way. Israel is going there as the bride of the Father, the church is going there as the bride of the son, and there's a whole bunch of guests that are coming to that party that I hope we'll get to in just for a few moments, all right? So just hold on to that one. It's the same group that was giving the hallelujahs, and those hallelujahs were about the, the end of Babylon. Now he's got a new announcement. The bride gets ready for the marriage. Listen to how he, goes. he says it here in verse, uh, <clears throat> verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Stop. 
Let's just take a look at this one for a moment. The bride gets ready for the marriage. The bride of the Lamb is the church. All right, so you can write that in there. That's what that blank is there. How do I know that? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, just for a moment. Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, <clears throat> let's start with verse 22, and we'll work our way down to the, the end of the chapter. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their hus- own husbands and everything. Okay, so the church is subject to the uh, Christ the same way a wife is to be subject to the husband. Everybody follow that? So that's already putting the church and a wife together in the same sentence. Go on. Uh, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, and he, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That's the way he's taking care of his bride. Everybody with me so far? That's the way he's taking care of his bride. He laid down his life for, gave his life for, and he's cleansing her every day by the word of God. Every day, brothers and sisters, you're becoming holier the more you spend time in that word of God, the more you live that word of God. He's cleansing you, getting you ready for the wedding which is to come. All right? Go on further. Um, in verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Does the Lord love the church? Yes. And may I say, we ought to be, thank you. <laughs> good, good speaking. Uh, we ought to be careful what we say about the church. You understand what I'm saying? We might call ourselves to repentance. We might call ourselves to a more steadfast faith. But I want to remember that the church is the bride of Christ. Let me ask you, husbands, how do you want men speaking of your wife? Yeah, very respectfully, right? How should we speak of the church of Jesus Christ? You follow where I'm at? Is it easy to find stones to throw at the church? Oh, yeah. Criticism is a highly easy thing. And oftentimes it lodges. Sometimes it's, it's true. But who's responsible for the church? Jesus Christ is responsible. He's the one that's cleaning it up. Everybody follow where I'm at? All right. Now let's go on further. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Did, do you realize, where did you read that one before? That's back in Genesis chapter 2. That's back at the end of it where he's created Eve for Adam, and they are husband and wife together. Everybody follow it? So I want you to get the picture that Jesus and the church are husband and wife. The church is the bride of Christ, and he gave himself for us. So let's just go through some of the things that are true about that. She was given as a gift from the Father, and it's an arranged marriage. Can I write this verse down? Because we don't have time to look all these up. So I'm giving them to you so that you can look them up. John 6, 37 and 39. 
No man can come to me except the Father draw him. No man can come to me except the Father give him to me. And whatever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. And the Father has promised me this, that of all that he gives me, I shall lose none. All right? That's the, the, father, that's the father giving Jesus people. Jesus gave his own life for her, as Ephesians 5 just told us, as John chapter 10 tells us, that these are my sheep. The, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Let her see, he has cleansed her by his word and his death in her place. She's justified. So he's taken this woman, this, this bride, out of all the people in the world who are just exactly the same kind of people. They're all not such good folk. Can we agree with that? And from that, he's taken people out and not counted on them to cleanse themselves, but cleansing them by his own word. It is Jesus who cleans up his church. Letter D. He told her she would be hated and persecuted because she belonged to him. That is in John 15, 18 through 25. He promised it. So the church, let's remember this. He's already promised us that the way the world hated Jesus is the way the world's going to hate us. Listen, they are rebelling. The world is rebelling against the codes of Almighty God. Psalm 2 lets us know that all the kings of the earth say, let's throw off these bonds that hold us to him. He, he's, he's mean to us. We don't want to have those bonds. Let's throw them off. If you remember right, that he says, I've got my own king. He laughs at those trying to throw those off. Kids, they're trying to throw off what belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. They are hating the Lord Jesus Christ, but he's not here to do that too. You are. So when they're going to hate the, the whole trappings of the, of the church, the trappings of God Almighty, who do they have to fight? It's you. It's you. Therefore, do not be surprised when the world hates you and it persecutes you because it hates Jesus and persecutes Jesus. That's what he's trying to get to. That's your unity to the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. It's your union with him. Letter E, he promised her that, she, if, that as she went through suffering with or for him, she would also be glorified with him. That's Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and following. He said this, look, bride, if this happens to you, if you have to suffer here, know this that the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in you. You are my bride, and I will bring you to myself in a glorious, glorious way. You may be hated here. You may suffer here. You may go through all kinds of... And may I say, that passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 8 is not dealing with persecution per se. It's dealing with the sufferings of people as they are having to decide whether they're going to be a carnal-minded person or they're going to be a spirit-minded person. So this is about the warfare. You're suffering the warfare that's going on inside yourself every day. You're suffering with the warfare that goes on with the body hurts that you feel every day. Are you going to let the body hurts dominate you? Or are you going to remember that Jesus has a new body coming for you? You can endure. You can get through this. That's what he's, he's telling us to do. If you suffer together with me, you'll be glorified together with me. That's what he's saying to his bride. Letter F. 
he promised her eternal life with him. Now, that, I want to stress that, kids, because he's not promising you you'll get to live longer with this suffering thing. No. He's going to end the suffering, and you're going to be having eternal life with him, the same eternal life he's sharing you're going to share. That's because you're his bride. All right? Going on a step further. He told her that he was going to prepare a place for her, that he would come again for her, that she would be with him. That's John 14, 1 to 4. John 14, 1 to 4. When Jesus says he's going to prepare a place for her, he's saying, I have a place, as he goes on to say, that you may be with me forever. So it's not just like he's going to establish an apartment for you someplace, and then he's taken off to go do some work in the backside of the universe. No, he's staying with you. Everybody follow that? Uh, years ago, young young pastor trying to figure out, well, I wasn't even a pastor yet. Um, I was Christian education director and principal and uh, youth pastor and bus pastor, and I, I don't remember the other titles. But I had all that going, and suffice it to say, that required me to be gone quite a bit. I could do schoolwork, as, as the principal of school, I could do schoolwork from 7 to 9. But at 9, I had to start doing church work. And from 9 to 4, I did church work. From 4 to whatever time I got done was schoolwork. And if I had time in the evening, then I was supposed to work additionally for Christian uh, education, uh, um, making sure Sunday schools ran right and uh, whatever youth groups and things like that we had. So that was the way my schedule ran. How do you suppose that acts on a marriage? You suppose it has any dilatory effect at all? May I say, yes, it does. In case those, those of you are saying, is that a rhetorical question? Does he really mean that? Yeah. Yes, I really mean that. And my visitation partner called one night and said, hey, I can't do it tonight, man. I got a cold. I just don't feel like up, and I don't want to give it to anybody. And so I realized, goodness, I'm going to have to stay home. So I said, oh, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm going to be home tonight. And my wife said, you're going to be home? Oh, good. I thought, hey, she's got something in mind here. This is cool. We're going to be doing something together tonight. This is going to be wonderful. We sat down, and I can still see her sitting there in the rocking chair knitting. Yeah, you're hearing what I heard. Only there was a little more clicking going on. I said, so, what are you going to talk about? I don't care. No, no, I mean, um, what, what, would you, what would you like to, you know, uh, is there anything you'd... Uh, why did you want me to stay home? She said, for this? For, for, for what? I see you. You, you. you see me? Well, you see me all the time. No, no, I don't. I see you when you're exhausted and tired when you come home from whatever you've been doing. I see you in the morning when you're exhausted and tired and head back out again. You see, 
you need to be there. Even if you're not doing anything, you need to be there. I am going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. And where I am, I will be with you forever. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Is that cool or what? Hey, bride, he's staying home tonight. Hey, sweet wife, he's staying home today. Hey, he's going to be here this week. That's what Jesus said to his bride. That's what Jesus wanted for his bride. Why? Because he loves you, kids. He loves you. Let me, let me go on because we'll never get through that. This, well, anyway, he promised her that she would be delivered from the coming wrath on the world. For this one, I am going to ask you to turn. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 1.10, okay? 1 Thessalonians 1.10. This is important for us today. I know there are going to be people, maybe even sitting here, who are going to differ with me about this. That's okay. You have a right to be wrong. Um, 1 Thessalonians 1.10, all right? Listen to what it says here. Here he's commended the uh, Thessalonian church for their uh, wonderful uh, faith, for the way they are uh, looking at things, the way they're observing things, as he said uh, in their life in verse 9 of Ephesians or of 1 Thessalonians 1, he said, For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, how you turned to God from idols from to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come you follow that here's what it says that you turned from all these idols that's your whole culture Everything is in that culture. When, it, when it's idolatry, kids, it doesn't just mean a, uh, uh, a Sunday worship of an idol. That means an everyday thing. What you did, you did in the name of that idol. The, the bank was the, the temple of that idol. Every business transaction took place in the presence of that idol. The whole culture was built on that. Your history is built on that. Everything you know is built upon that idolatry. To turn from that, to turn from your family, to turn from your history, to turn from your culture is to leave everything behind that you've known all your life. I can tell you, your family's not going to appreciate that. They're going to think either that you are nuts or that you have rejected them. You are rejecting everything we taught you. We taught you how to be a human, and you're rejecting everything. That's a big deal what these Thessalonians did. Do you see that? And they turned from those idols, from that culture, to the living and the true God. And they said, the stuff you've been believing, guys, is not true. Yes, there, there's all kinds of history that's in it, but it's not true. Those were not true gods. 
I am following the living and the true God now. I want you to follow too. And that's what they told. They told everybody all around. And, then, and, and because people all around were saying, wait a minute, these guys got something going. There's something they're seeing here that makes sense. And there were people who were actually turning the same way they did. And then they went beyond that. They were waiting up for his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to show up. <laughs> Why? They're a bride. And they're waiting for the place that's been prepared for them. They're waiting to go to the place that they can have everlasting life and have this great kingdom because he's the king. You didn't just get in, in, in with some nice little businessman someplace, some nice little farmer. You got in with the king of kings, for crying out loud. At his invitation, not yours, <laughs> you didn't go out looking for him. He said, you, come here. You're going to be with me. I, I own all this. I created all this. I created you. And you get to be with me. Come on. Let's go. Come home. And to wait for him. He's coming. He's coming any day. Any day. For what? To deliver them from the wrath which is to come. Kids, that's the tribulation. I hope that this study of the book of Revelation has shown you this is God's wrath outpoured. And he's going to take his church away from that. You say, God doesn't do things like that. He makes his people. No, watch. When God's going to judge the earth with water, what does he do? He pulls out eight people. His choice. Pulls them out. Build a boat. I'm going to put a lot of water on this place, kid. You need something to float. Seal it. Do everything you can, but this is going to be a big deal. And he put him on that boat and spared him from the wrath that was going on all around them. You follow where I'm coming from? They didn't have it. Neither will you. He's taking you from that. You say, well, we won't even know what's going on. Yes, you will. You remember at the seal six when that's all opened up and heaven's opened up and everybody on earth can see heaven and everybody in heaven can see earth? Yeah, you will. You'll know. He promised he would deliver you from that. Go with me to chapter five of this same book. Chapter five of this same book. Pick up with me here. Uh, let me, let, let's, let's just start with verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, and let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God did not appoint us to the wrath of God. We're not going to have the wrath of God. Does that mean we won't have the wrath of man? Not at all. Jesus had already promised the bride, you may go through tough times. Matter of fact, 
You will have tribulation on this earth. You will have problems on this earth. You will have persecution. And many of you are going to die. They will deliver you and think they're doing, a, they'll deliver you up to prison. They think they're doing God a service. They'll take your life from you and they'll believe they did God good, that they were doing the holy and righteous thing. So the bride of Jesus Christ may very well go through martyrdom, may go through persecution. We've done it for centuries, kids. That's been our lot for centuries, okay? But that's not the wrath of God. The tribulation is the wrath of God. And that's what he said, I'll deliver you from it because I've not appointed you to wrath. All right. If If you're with me there. Letter I, he promised her a resurrection body just like his. First John 3, 2 says, it has not yet appeared what we shall be, but we know that when we see him, we shall be like him just as he is. Whatever his body is like is what your body's going to be like. Now, I don't know if that means you're going to have scars in it, nail scars or uh, pierced sides. I don't know if it means any of that at all. I do know this. Whatever kind of body it is that Jesus has that's able to get out of a tomb, that's able then to go outside a door and walk through the door without opening the door, that's a pretty good body. You understand what I'm saying? That's different than one I got right now. You can try it all you want to, and I promise you, you'll be a bruised up soul before you, you get done with that little ordeal. Just plain and simple, kids, whatever kind of body it is he's got, that's what he's given his bride. Why? Because they're sharing their lives together for eternity. Letter J. He promised her to be glorified together with him, and he will keep her until then. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you appear with him in glory. And then he said in in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, the sufferings of this age are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in you. You will have the glory of Jesus in you just as he's got. Everybody with me? All right, now that we got past the bride, let's go look at a couple of things here that I think are most interesting. When and how she got to the heavenly dressing room. All right, and I'm, I'm basing this on the verse that we have. Let's go back to Revelation uh, 19 just for a moment. It says that uh, she was going to array herself. Let's see uh, how exactly it says. Uh, verse 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Well, how did she get there? Well, she was spared from the wrath to come of the tribulation on earth. The pre-tribulation rapture brings her home and gives her a new resurrection body. This is the home during the tribulation. All believers, letter I uh, in your under B, All believers in Christ from all centuries and locations are given new bodies then. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Now, I want you to notice, 
some people think that believers shouldn't ever sorrow because another believer is going to heaven. That's not what it says. It says, don't sorrow as others who have no hope. So your sorrow is different. Uh, if, you've, if you've lost a loved one who knows Jesus Christ, you know yourself that there are times you go through it when you are weeping because you won't see him anymore. They won't be there. The, 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 the used to, you got used to their laughter, the, the, the just going someplace with them, talking with them, being in the car with them, whatever it was. It's not going to be there anymore. And there's not a chance it's going to be there anymore. But you also knowing this, <laughs> what are they having today? What have they got today with the Lord Jesus Christ? What is it like? To be a spirit caught up with the Lord Jesus Christ, to have the joy of heaven all the time. And then you're kind of halfway smiling about the thing. And then you remember the sorrow of it, and you go back, and you're back and forth between the two, so we get to be kind of complicated people, don't we? Brothers and sisters, when you die, and this this is letter double I you have there, Prior to this, only your spirit went into the presence of the Lord. Okay? So your loved one, on the day that they were declared dead, what had happened was the spirit of the person that you had known, the spirit of the person that has been saved, that's that new human being, that's that new person, that spirit left that body. That body was a temporary thing to start with. That body cannot go into heaven. That body cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It's got flaws in it. It's stained by sin, kids. It won't make it there. You're going to have to have a new body or you won't be in the kingdom of God. But that spirit leaves that body. And when that spirit leaves that body, it goes immediately into the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. Okay? So that, that person, now that person's been living in heaven, as has been Peter and Paul and James and John and all of those who've gone before. Think of all the saints who've gone. They have been living in heaven in spirits. They are not in bodies yet, Okay? I, I hear people saying that all the time. You know, they got a new body now. No, they don't. No, they don't. They won't have a new body until that day. There is an order to resurrections, kids. It is Christ the first fruits, and then those that are his at his appearing. Everybody follow that? You're not going into a direct resurrection as soon as you leave this body. Your spirit is going there. Remember when we were looking at the fifth seal? And there were martyrs that were under the altar, and the martyrs were crying out, How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? They were in spirits. They are waiting, kids, for a great resurrection to take place. Everybody with me on this? You see where we're coming from? It's the spirit that's left, and the spirit is waiting there. What's a resurrection then? Because this body just rotted, it became dust again depending on where it got to be. If it died on a battlefield and nobody got to it, it became part of the bird's diet or part of an animal's diet or part of a worm's diet. or part of, and, and it's gone. So how can there ever be a resurrection? Psalm 139 says, Lord, all my members are written down. 
even before the days were fashioned before me. My days even are numbered. But you have me written down in your book. It's a DNA code. And that DNA code is called up from the dust and it's put together in that crazy little way that DNA is put together and it forms into a body and that new body is reunited with that spirit. And now spirit and body are in a resurrection together. Everybody see that? That spirit's been waiting. It's, it's as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, oh goodness, it's unclothed. It's naked. It needs a body. And you got to have a body, kids. Why? Because you're human. That's the way God made humans, with bodies. And so this new resurrection body is united with your spirit again. New person. Now you're ready to be the bride of Christ fully and completely. Everybody with me on this? All believers from all ages, from all locations, wherever they were when they died in Christ, their spirit went to the presence of the Lord and their body is waiting for that resurrection. And let's read read 1 Thessalonians 4 again. I don't want you to be ignorant, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Hear that? That's all those spirits that were with the Lord Jesus Christ. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So that DNA stuff is all getting back together again, and all this stuff is coming back up as it was, and now it's reunited, it's forming into what is Doug White or what, call your name. And that spirit that Jesus is bringing with him gets reunited, and now there you are. I don't know how old you are, 30. I know this. Whatever Jesus is, yeah, yeah. Um, Whatever age Jesus is or whatever the appearance of age that Jesus is, that's what you're going to appear. I can't tell you how old it is. I don't know. All right? But I, I do know this, that you are going to be, just like the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? So here's, here's a bunch of scriptures you can write down with that. Here, um, you can find this in 1 Corinthians 15. So just take off on 1 Corinthians 15. Don't, don't say which verse. Start at number one and go to the end. I think you'll find it. <laughs> and 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, start with verse 1. You'll work your way through that. I know you'll see it. And then 1 John 3, 2, 1 John 3, 2. So your letters in this under letter B, it's all believers, letter I under letter B, all believers in Christ from all centuries and locations are given new bodies then at that rapture. Prior to this, only our spirit went into the presence of the Lord. Now new bodies are like Christ's body, all right? Number three in your outline, when and how she got her wedding garments. She got it through the judgment seat of Christ. Now, let's talk this one over. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 9. We'll start there. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. 
According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can one lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, you're going to build your life on something. It's got to be laid on the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to start with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not starting with the Lord Jesus Christ, let me, t- let me let you know your house is doomed to destruction. You've got to have a foundation for it. The storms of life, the wrath of God will absolutely take your house away unless you are built on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? Go on. He says, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds in this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. Now, let's just break this one down a little bit here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 5, and Romans 14 all declare we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. There's not a believer around who's going to skip the judgment seat of Christ. You say, I I thought we were already judged. I I, I didn't think we had to go through judgment. You don't for sin because Jesus did pay for that sin. But for what you did in your stewardship as a believer, yes, you're going to be judged. He gave you his spirit. He gave you orders. He gave you commands. Did you follow them? Did you do them? Or did you just use your, your salvation as a fire insurance policy? I don't want to go to hell, so I'll put this one away for that. Yes, you're going to be judged for what you did in the body. What we have done while living here that has been done in the name of Christ by faith in love and with the power of the Holy Spirit will last. All else will burn up and be gone forever. It is a loss for you. After this judgment, we are given white robes for marriage and living with Christ. Now, let me just back up and let's just talk about this for a minute. Here's old Doug White. Doug White died. He's laying in the ground. Doug White's spirit's in the presence of the Lord. That great rapture takes place. That which was Doug White, which is now a bunch of dust and decay and all that sort of stuff, has now been reunited with God's great creative work and the DNA that is Doug White is united in that little body. And just like it was at creation, a spirit comes into that body. He's now a living being. He's resurrected. Now the tribulation is taking place on earth just after I'm gone. I'm not going through that tribulation. But all that tribulation is going on all this area here, middle of tribulation, end of tribulation. Everybody with me? So what is Doug White doing while he's in heaven? Doug White is preparing for his wedding. I have things that I'm going to be doing there. How many millions of us do you suppose there are that are going to have to go through the judgment seat of Christ? Everybody since, what, 33 A.D. has all got to go through the judgment seat of Christ. You suppose there's a few of us there? So here we go. Here's Doug White. There's the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ. I see a fire right there. I think that I've done pretty good. But the the more I look at him and the closer I get, the more I realize, oh, boy, missed that opportunity, missed that one, just rebelled against that one, didn't do that one, 
That one might have been good. And now, Doug White. Yes, sir. Forward, please. Doug, welcome home. I'm glad you're here. Come here. And as I walk toward him, that fire tests me. And whatever I built on wood, hay, straw, stubble, the gunk of life that made no difference to anybody, I didn't use Christ's tools. I didn't use Christ's Holy Spirit. I did things my own way. Man, I was too busy to serve Christ because I was making a fortune. Oh, I just remembered. That fortune's back here, just burned up. Oh, but. Yes, sir. And now as that fire burns, I see everything that I did being tested by that fire. What was done in the name of Jesus Christ out of love by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is going to stand. The rest of it, gone. For how long? Forever. Not even a memory, kids. Not even a memory. Do you suppose that when I stop and take a look at that, that I might think, I could have done so much more. Why will Jesus have to wipe away every tear from your eye? When that hand of Jesus comes and says, I get it, son. I get it. Welcome home. And I get to come home. And as I'm coming home, he says, here's your robe. Put that on. Wedding's in 45 minutes. Wow, Lord. And this stuff here, I guess you could use it as a wedding gift. If you knew a husband, did you give it to? Thank you, Lord. Or you could give it at coronation time. You know I'm going to be crowned pretty soon. Yes, sir. I do know that. I'm home. I got my robe. I'm in the dressing room. That's what heaven's for. You follow me? Because that's not my home. That's my dressing room. Because he has a place prepared for me that is the restoration of this one. It's a new heavens and a new earth. It's over on that side. And I'm going to live with him in that heavenly Jerusalem. I'm going to be with him there. Everybody follow where I'm at? Now today, you're going to get to scratch through my writings because there was one passage here, or the one thing here that I was not comfortable with, and it is number four in your outline. Dressed in our glorious robes of righteousness and joined by the guests, we will celebrate our marriage to Jesus Christ at his great marriage supper of the Lamb, scratch just before his victory because I've now understood better than I did before what exactly takes place. You see, this wedding is your wedding. But the Old Testament and the New Testament both said something about guests being at that wedding. Guests? 
What? Yes. Are we all just saved folk? No. The bride of Jesus Christ is the church. Has anybody else ever believed God? Oh, yes. Who's believed him? Israel. Who's going to be a guest at my wedding? Israel. The tribulation saints also believe the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're not part of the church. They're not the bride of Christ. They got a different role. They get to be his special entourage that gets to be in front of the, the, the throne of God, and they follow the lamb wherever he goes, and they have his own song. They're guests at the wedding. It's your wedding, and here come the guests to be with you. The wedding takes place in heaven, but the marriage supper takes place on earth. We have weddings now, and then we'll travel someplace to go to the reception. You follow me? I've done weddings in which there were 45 at the wedding and 200 at the reception. (laughs) I said, how's that work? I, I understand. All right. We're going to be at the wedding, which is in heaven. And Psalm 45, just, just go ahead and slip over to Psalm 45, would you? I want you to see this. This is just, this is so beautiful. Then we are going to be joined by the other guests on earth. Tribulation saints are going to be there. They get to be dressed in white. Israel gets to be there. They're dressed in white. We also saw that there was going to be at the end when Jesus comes back, there's some living folk that are on the, um, the earth that took care of the fleeing ones. Remember, it says, when I was sick, you came and took care of me. When I was in jail, you visited me. When this, Those people get to go into the millennium different from me. They're going in different, but they're going to get to see the marriage supper of the Lamb. They're going to get to see that one. Jesus promised that he would not taste this cup nor eat this bread again with us until it was in the kingdom, not in heaven, in the kingdom. That's where that marriage supper is. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, kids. And he, he loved everybody so much that he brings them all. He said, look, I... I you're my bride. I'm marrying you, but I want to have a great party. I want to have a celebration. They're going to get to see me as king. Psalm 45. <sighs> you know, someday, maybe the same yahoos that decide when's the uh, best time for the sun to come up, maybe they'll decide that time is no more, and we can spend a lot of time together. Psalm 45, listen to what it says here. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Now, I want you to get this. This is the bride getting to see the king, her husband, the first time. Okay, this is what she sees. Uh, you know, this is, uh, he's coming down the aisle right now. 
He comes down the aisle this time. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty one, with your glory and your majesty, and in your majesty ride prosperously because of the truth, humility, and righteousness. And your right hand shall teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. All your garments are scented with myrrh and aloes and cassia and out of the ivory palaces by which they have made you glad. King's daughters are among your honorable women. At your right hand stands the queen in gold from Ophir. Let me just tell you this, kids. The next thing after that wedding that takes place we're going to see next week is Jesus dressed as this. On his right thigh is a name that's above every name that nobody knows but him. He is wearing the sword. He is wearing war garments. Why? Because he's prepared a place for his bride and is cleansing that place of all the things that offend in it. It's just before the second coming. Let's look at the last verses here. This is her. Listen, O daughter. Consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house, so the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. And the daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. The rich among the people will seek your favor. The royal daughter is all glorious within the palace. Her clothing is woven with gold. She shall be brought to the king in robes of many colors. The virgins, her companions who follow her, shall be brought to you. With gladness and rejoicing they shall be brought. They shall enter the king's palace. Instead of your fathers shall be your sons, whom you shall make princes in all the earth. I will make your name to be remembered in all the generations. Therefore the people shall praise you forever and ever. That's the king and his bride. That's you and the one that you have trusted for your life. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you have given to us everlasting life. Thank you that this whole thing truly is a gift. Thank you it's not something that we did, something that we earned. It is something that you gave to us. We are humbled today, and we are brought low when we think about ourselves and who you really are. What an honored position to be called the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, if there's anybody within the hearing of my voice that has not trusted Jesus Christ, have them come home today. Bring them home. They're not here by uh, accident, Father. They're here by your divine appointment. So I ask in the name of Jesus, speak to their heart deeply and let them come home to the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.